Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On, the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And this week, we'll take a look at a cocaine smuggling ring being run out of Vice Media. It's cool mules. Then, who's killing former workers at a boys' home in Iceland? We're going to talk about Netflix's The Valhalla Murders. Joining me to get that done and a whole lot more is my real-life husband and true crime co-author, former TV journalist and social distancing exception, and my favorite home journalism buddy, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. What do you mean by that? You're my secret weapon, Kevin Flynn. Also with us is journalist, true crime author, former defense investigator, licensed private investigator, and certified cat lady, Lara Bricker. Hello, Lara. Hello. I am now certified cat yoga lady. Nice. Nice. It doesn't make it any less weird, Lara. And finally, our captain of woke cynicism, the author behind the noir novels known as the City Trilogy, and our Patreon book club host, but perhaps more important, the host of the hit podcast, Strange Arrivals. Congratulations, Toby Ball. Thank you, Rebecca. Now, Toby, it's only Wednesday as we tape this. Your podcast came out yesterday, and it is like topping the Apple podcast charts. How does it feel to be more famous and more successful than the rest of us? (laughs) Oh, my God, that's quite a question. (laughs) It feels great, Rebecca. I feel so powerful. It's about time, Rebecca. (laughs) I've been waiting for you to say that for five years. It's a long game, Rebecca, and I'm finally winning. (laughs) No, it's, uh, you know, it's actually, it's been awesome. And and thank you to everybody out there who's who's listened. I refuse to listen. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Just on principle. Exactly. Do you want to hear about Toby's root talk with the aliens? <laughs> and then the UFO <laughs> came from Vega. I drove south from Littleton through the notch, <laughs> past exit thirty-two. I, I've been through that notch. It's a scary place. I've We've been all been there, through that but... notch, Laura. <laughs> Fucking New Hampshire, Laura. Well, Toby, I am so proud of you. I am, and I don't mean to say it like in a patronizing way, like, look at you, you did something amazing. But seriously, look at you, you did something amazing. I am so proud of you. Thanks, yeah. I mean, it's, it's been awesome so far. It's just episode one. Got 11 more to go. Yes, but Toby, it's totally going to get option to be a Netflix series. You 100% know that, right? At least that's my prediction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to hold you to that. All right. Rebecca's working on it. Yeah, just, you know, when you listen to it, just spare a moment for for uh, the producer who had to walk me through voiceover. Oh, fuck. We know uh, that. For hours and hours and hours. The the three producers I've really worked with a lot are Alex Williams, who's kind of in charge, and then Josh Thane, who uh, does a lot of the sound stuff, and then the person who uh, also does sound stuff but kind of walked me through the uh, VO aspects uh, is Miranda Hawkins, who and she deserves some kind of Miranda. like pay. Miranda! It's a lot of hours. Listen, Miranda, I've been editing Toby Ball for five years. I fucking get it, Miranda Ball. I <laughs> yeah. get it, Miranda. You're my girl. If anybody does, it's you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Can well, we play two games? Yes. Okay. First of all, your your quarantine name. That's a game? That's a game, okay? This isn't funny, Kevin. No, here's what it is. Okay? It's dead serious. It's the last thing that you ate. Yes. Plus... Your high school mascot. <laughs> oh, God. Think about it for oh, a second. Nice. Mine is so good. Laura Bricker, start with you. Go. The red wine, red devil. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. Very oh good. Oh my God, you're not going to believe this. No, no, no. What? You're not going to believe is it. Is that yours what? too? Mine is 
gin and tonic red devil. I swear <laughs> to God, my high school mascot was also the red devils. I swear wait, to God. Wait. Did, wow. Did I say the last thing you drank? Oh, wait. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Ready? It's, it's going to be better. It's supposed ready? to be the last ready? thing you- You ready? It's supposed to be the last <laughs> thing you, you wait. It's better. You ready? Yeah. Canned corn red devil. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, what did I eat? Um, I guess I got that wrong. Sauteed kale red devil. Kale red devil. You All did right. say eight, but Laura interpreted it as oh, yeah, and of I course just wanted to pile I can't believe we went to the high schools with the same fucking mascot. I was I just know. thinking today, because I was, you know, can I just interrupt you for a second? I'm sorry. Sure. So I saw like a throwback to my high school's mascot on Facebook, and- Red Devil is very often a very racist uh, high school mascot name for like Native Americans. Oh, right. Mine okay. wasn't that. My high school's name was the Red Devils, and the picture was literally a devil, like with the so was, yeah. so was mine. And yeah, shit. no, a lot of them actually yeah, so are. Was yeah, mine. so anyway, and it was super. We, we were not a racist Red Devil. We were just a. America is so devil. happy <laughs> that somebody as woke as Rebecca wasn't tarnished by the mascot her hometown yeah. picked a anyway. hundred years before Wait, she was born. What was born. your high school mascot? Well, should I give my whole oh, quarantine? Oh, it was the Irish, yeah, it was what, Irish ghost, name, right? Kevin? It was Chicken Gale. <laughs> we were the Gales, like in Ireland. Yeah. Yes. How about Toby Ball? What was yours? Well, it's it's fortunate. I haven't had a hamburger since uh, before Christmas, and <laughs> I had one tonight for the first time. So it's the Hamburger Hornet. <laughs> Oh my God, Toby wins. That's very good. All right. Tell us your quarantine name. Put it on Twitter and Facebook. Well, Kevin, can we just get a tiny bit of business time before we start the show? Sure. Right now on our Patreon is the Crime Writers on After Show. And Mm -hmm. I got to tell you, I have a lot to say about the aftershocks from our Tiger King episode. And we're going to talk about that in our Patreon after show tonight. The uh, wrong that I think Carol Baskin was done by the documentary. I'm just mm-hmm. getting angrier and angrier about it mm-hmm. and getting a lot of feedback. So we're going to talk about that in our Patreon after show tonight. But I also want to, Kevin, put in a plug for Married with Podcast right now. There's a new episode out and we're going to be making more of them because... We're both here, by the way. Um, <laughs> Mary with Podcast is getting real. It's getting real. Like our real like beefs and tensions and stress and fears and anxiety is coming out in that podcast. And people, do we have a fight? No, no, no. About? But I just was very vulnerable about my level you of were. anxiety. People yes. seem to like it when I am real. If you want to hear that shit. People love your pain. That's right. Go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. And, and you can drink Rebecca's tears. And. They're salty. Oh God. Finally, after a technical delay. <laughs> 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 the Toby Balls book club episode of Adnan Story, which is about, I don't know, a guy named Adnan Syed, which you may have heard of because of the podcast called Serial and the best-selling book by our friend Robbie Achaudhary. Heard all that. Will finally be being released. We actually promoted it a couple weeks ago on the show and had to cut out the promotion <laughs> because as a result of a technical difficulty... None of the files for that podcast were usable, and poor Henry Lavoy, 18-year-old Henry Lavoy, had to contact hit podcast superstar Toby Ball and say, hey, man, I think you need to re-record your book club. <laughs> but that is finally I said, I out. I have to have a conversation with your mother. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media to get that done. And Kevin, we have a brand new feature we're unveiling this week. Do we not? We do. Our patron of the week. Kevin Flynn. Who is our Patreon patron of the week this week? Anthony Cantor. Oh, congratulations, Anthony. Anthony, thank you for supporting us on Patreon. Yes. You win nothing. <laughs> we're still working this we're still working this bit out, but we want to thank you for your patronage. We just want to acknowledge people who are supporting us and maybe like call them out as our patrons of the week. That was a nice new feature, wasn't it? Not Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> I have an announcement. I have an announcement. That? Speaking of supporters, well, for a long time, this podcast studio that you are in, and you're not in my house, but in your house, the um, basement yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, which is actually a closet on our Hampshire basement. Yes. Yes. I actually went to a yoga class this week at the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay nice. St. Louis. Nice. And yeah. I got to, I went to a Zoom yoga class this week with them. And I got to meet virtually Alyssa, who is their leader, who has been the one who loves us and helps sponsor us. And the greatest thing was we had crime writers on listeners from around the world that also came to the yoga class with us. That's amazing. 
That's amazing. It was crazy. We had Kathy in Switzerland. We had Rita in Illinois. And we had a couple others. We had somebody who didn't really like yoga, but felt like they probably needed it right now. <laughs> and it was really awesome to, I mean, I, you know, that was my first like virtual exercise class like that. And I was like, I'm not so sure about this, but I'm like, you know what? They have supported us. So I'm going to be doing that again. So I will be posting it up in our Facebook group if anyone wants to join me for yoga next week. Yeah. I got to say, when we like sort of pipe dream started our Patreon and we put up that like one level, it was like $100 a month, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. To like sponsor the name of our studio. And then someone did it sort of as a, a nice thing to honor her brother for mm-hmm. one month. And we thought maybe once in a while people would do it. Alyssa has been that patron for a long ass time. She's responsible for the Yoga, yoga Loft above, above the, the Bodega, Bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Studio. The Yoga Loft is a real loft. She's responsible for when I interview people for the Netflix podcast or like, wait, you're in Mississippi, right? I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not. I'm in New Hampshire. But anyway, Alyssa, thank you very much. But yes, I'm sorry. You. I'm sorry you're not the patron of the week. It's that guy, Anthony. <laughs> well, it's okay. She's my patron of the week because it got all my kinks and stress out and it was pretty awesome. And by the way, if you want to join or see anything going on at that uh, yoga loft, it's Loft BSL, mm-hmm. as in Bay St. Louis, loftbsl.com. Nice. But also you could just join our Patreon at patreon.com slash partners of crime media. <laughs> I don't want to overshadow Alyssa, but for God's sakes, Kevin, get your priorities straight. All right. All right. Let's start the show, shall we? Let's do it. This is not a whodunit mystery or a story about an innocent man falsely accused. Slava's guilty. He told me so. But there's something else he wants you to know. There are no villains in this story. There's no winners, but there's no villains. Pretty much nobody else involved with the story agrees with that. It was the coolest place for young journalists to work. Vice had a reputation of hard-hitting gonzo journalism. And for Vice Canada music editor Slava Paskov, working there opened doors normally closed to him. When once you tell someone that not only you work for Vice, but that you work for the music portion of Vice, their entire demeanor towards you changes. And it goes from them talking about themselves to talking about this band that they know or their friend who's a musician or their buddy that owns a studio. And they start, they go into sales mode with you. Now they want something from you. But Slava wanted to advance advice and believed the only way to do so was through more extreme journalism. Because of a mix of greed and ambition, Slava orchestrated a failed attempt to smuggle millions in drugs to Australia. And that's the reason why Slava says he jumped at the chance to get involved in an international drug smuggling ring. It was for the story. He thought that trafficking drugs to Australia would be a good move for his media career. But things did not work out that way. In Canada Land's six-part series, Cool Mules, host Kasia Mihailovic presents Slava's cautionary tale about what amounted to a multi-level marketing scheme for hard drugs. Was he after a story or was it a convenient excuse to be a criminal? The series is also a takedown of corporate culture at Vice, which seemed to believe that being cool was the best way to compensate their journalists. Now, we will be talking about plot points from Cool Mules. So to get our spoiler-free review, just go to the time code listed in our show notes. Kevin. You yes. love the writing of this podcast. Can you tell me why? I, I think it was a pretty solid journalistic podcast. I mean, we start off knowing that it's not an investigation. And if I'm going to look at the, the genre of Canadian podcasts, it's been hit or miss. The CBC has put out some really good stuff and some really bad stuff. I put this from Canada land. I'd put this on the shelf of good things. We know it's not an investigation. It's more a look back at the story, uh, which is fine. It is a cautionary tale, as you say. And I think that it's done very well. And I want to talk about Vice later because oh, I did we not will. think I did not think that would be an important aspect to the story. Yeah. Uh, or no, nor would I think that it would be a, an interesting one. But I was wrong. Oh, it's to me the best part of the story, and one of the things that makes it the best part of the story, Lara, is that Slava basically has no journalistic experience or credentials. And is able to, because he's a white guy with a beard, basically, like everyone else at Vice, (laughs) parlay his very limited experience into a very plum job, which granted, you know, doesn't pay great, but is high profile. 
How did you feel when you heard how he actually got this job advice? You know, it's like literally like he self-published a book and then he wrote some like snarky stuff on the Internet. And then next thing you know, he's now got this plum journalism job. How did that make you feel as someone who's been working in the trenches of journalism for decades, Laura Bricker. He's a total D-bag. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I hate him so much. Um, he just has like no, he's such a narcissist and I'm just tired of listening to him. So I'm glad this podcast is over. But that was, it was like ridiculous because clearly like, and he even acknowledges like, yeah, I didn't go to school for journalism. I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so I went to school for journalism and yeah, I also didn't make any money when I got out of college. But guess what? I didn't go like smuggle cocaine because I'm a D-bag, so, and get other people into it who are now, like, in jail in Australia. Uh, So I just found, like, the whole world of vice just sort of irritating because it was, like, this sort of quest to be trendy and this quest to be hip and this quest to be, like, the it publication and the it media company sort of overshadowed, like, that whole, like, journalism ethics piece and, and even just, like, journalism background piece that we would expect to see in a publication, especially a publication that, you know, is pretty well known. Um, So it just annoyed me. Toby, thoughts? Uh, It was interesting listening to Laura talk about that because Vice, you know, it clearly doesn't have, it's not trying to fill the normal sort of journalism product role, right? I mean, it's not, it's not delivering news of the day or or whatever, or, or even like, you know, in-depth things about things that are, are newsworthy. It's more what's kind of cool or or trying to set a tone, at, at least at the beginning. I, I'm not I'm not a vice completist or yeah. anything, but um, <laughs> you know, I, and and that's what gives opportunities uh, for people like Slava who are willing to kind of go there and kind of be pricks, but in a way that kind of fits with this aesthetic. That Vice, that guy Gavin, whatever his last name is, I get all the Gavins mixed up. I keep thinking of the guy on the love boat, but I know it's not <laughs> Gavin McLeod. <laughs> Gavin McLeod. He's like one of those guys who would just be like kind of that jerk you don't like to hang out with, but happens to be friends with one of your friends, uh, except that he came around at a time with, with kind of new media and having this guy Gavin come up with this idea of having this super snarky irreverent but not in a nice way publication and it's like oh okay this is for people with my kind of dickish personality to really shine yeah Uh, so i think he kind of lucked out now kevin i used to work uh from like 2010 to 2013 on a public radio talk show i used to be the producer of it and then the senior producer we used to book a lot of Vice stories to be on my talk show. Mm-hmm. Like Vice, before it became the company it is now, was this little magazine. I actually remember before 2010, remember we talked about going from like paper to glossy? I remember like finding the free copies of Vice around and being like, what the, what is this? Mm-hmm. But it was cool and it, it had, you know, a sort of um, an edginess to it. And then when it kind of made that transition to journalism, it was notable. That being said, it did very much set up the culture of, you know, the Internet speak, as one of the episodes in this podcast points out. But I have, have a more basic question for you. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the journalist advice, people who work for Vice talk about being paid almost nothing or whatever, and they talk about that being a big trade off. But that's just journalism, as we actually know from many people. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Slava committed this crime so that he could tell the story in Vice? I mean, do you buy that at all, given what we hear about the kinds of stories they were doing? Yeah, the why of this story is way more important than the what. I think it's more an interesting conversation to think about Slava's motivations and his actions. He likes to say, oh, well, you know, it was this very edgy gonzo journalism outfit, and they were doing all these stories about smuggling stuff in your butt. And, you know, all these cra- crazy, like you would think they were onion headlines yeah. kinds of stories. Like I fell in love with in. my vibrator. Yeah, like stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's uh, in the pot. What is like? I had sex with a robot. Here's what happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have continued to publish stories like how I became an international cocaine trafficker. My life as an international ketamine smuggler. The true meaning of family day is cocaine. Here's how much 
here's how much you can make smuggling things in your ass. And I smuggled cocaine into the U.S. to try to pay off my student loans. But the idea, you know, just, uh, was he doing it for a story? No, I think it was an, it was a convenient cover. It might have been a Petri dish of bad behaviors, but it's, it wasn't an excuse. I think it was a very convenient cover story for why you would continue to, if he was doing it, here's the thing, if he was doing it for a story, and maybe it is, it would be a fantastic vice story. Maybe it started that way. Maybe, maybe. it started, some kernel of it was. Maybe, you know, there was a chicken and an egg thinking about, oh, I could do this, and then it would be a great story. You know what a great story would be is this, maybe I could follow through. It doesn't matter. If he did it once, you got your story. You start recruiting other people. You're doing it again. It's you're a, a drug trafficker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what's the most gonzo thing you ever did for a story, Kevin? Gonzo thing. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, <laughs> Was it when you wore the flak jacket to go cover the Browns? Yeah, that, but that's not gonzo. No, I know. Was it when I mean, you I, went to the hamster lady and pretended that you liked hamsters? I did fun, oh. goofy gonzo stuff. Yes, I didn't do. I'm going undercover as no. a, a male prostitute kind of stuff. Yeah. You didn't traffic any humans to get a story. <laughs> Negative. Like that. Toby, what do you Negative. think? Do you buy Slava's uh, tale that he, this whole time, was thinking this would be a great Vice story and that this would get him a TV show? Or do you think he was just in it for the money and the power over these like less fortunate freelancers? No, I mean, I could see at the beginning where maybe just being in that atmosphere where people are like, oh, you know, this this would be pretty badass. And he'd be like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll smuggle drugs somewhere. And that way, he, <laughs> he, he reminds me a little bit of, um, what was that one that we, we uh, did like a few months ago in Washington about that guy who used to be a football player and robbed the bank and he had all those people dressed up the same to hang out <laughs> yeah. in his parking lot? That wasn't a few the, months ago. That was actually super recently. Yeah. The sneak? Yeah, the sneak. The, the sneak. sneak. Yeah. yeah, well, it yeah. was before yeah. It was before the COVID era, so That's it was true. a few months it was, ago. It was before Tiger King, so it was like a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, they, he, he reminds me a little bit of that guy maybe, but but not like that guy seemed a little more uh, relatable and less of a jerk than uh, Slava does. <laughs> but I could see where the initial... The germ of the idea comes from hanging out in an area, in a work environment where people are doing these kind of stuntish type things and thinking, wow, maybe this will be cool. But then it, it takes off from there. And clearly, like you just you can't make a show about smuggling drugs back and forth. Right. Like that's that's got one episode in it. Right. And then you get busted. So it's just bullshit. He just seems like my like the whole time he seems like a guy who's not. And I think people say it. He's not He's not as smart as he thinks he is. And he thinks like these ridiculous things that he can kind of talk himself into are going to actually be compelling to other people. And they're, and they're just not. Now, Laura, he does give this excuse of the culture advice. Yeah. We do hear, by the way, to me, the one of the most interesting details about the early culture advice is the um, agreement you have to sign when you work there. Because they love free speech, people might say things to you or do things that you don't like. Right. You just have to deal with it, and that's just what it takes to work here. Like your ass looks fine. It's basically a sexual harassment yeah. apology letter that you have to <laughs> yeah. sign when you start working there. <laughs> but, Laura, there is sort of- Just like of, Toby had to sign when he started on this mm -hmm. podcast. I, yeah. I can't say this is true with my newsroom, but I yeah. am friends with people who w worked in other newsrooms and used to be friends with people who worked in newsrooms in the early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is not- not newsroom culture, right? Oh, no, my gosh, yeah. I mean, when I was in the newsroom, uh, you know, when I was actually working in a newsroom full time in like the late 90s and early 2000s, I mean, there was all sorts of stuff that went on that was like funny and you look at it now and you're like, okay, you probably couldn't do that now. And it was just like practical joking and kind of things like that. Um, and, and that was sort of like, you, you had to have sort of like this gallows humor sort of approach sometimes to get through some of the stories you were covering and some of the situations you were in. And, um, you know, I remember making like fake newspaper pages of like, you know, people and stories and stuff, which you could never do now. And like <laughs> posting them on the wall and like being like, this guy looks like the, you know, Bat Boy from Weekly World News or something, somebody that we were like covering. And it was super inappropriate, but it was just kind of funny because it was like, you know, an inside joke or whatever. But I guess like the culture thing that sort of stuck with me with this when I was listening to it is like another sort of thing that did happen at that time when I was a full-time journalist is there would be like this sort of exodus of people that would leave full-time journalism to go work at these places that had the perks that you're hearing about in like the Vice 
newsroom in the vice office, like the beer keg in the office, the snacks in the office, the whole office gets to work out because it's part of our team thing. And we have this super cool office where it's super flexible and you can wear normal people clothes and you don't have to, you know what I mean? And so like there is this sort of draw to that sort of culture, especially I think for younger, you know, younger recent college graduates entering the workforce who want a different sort of environment. So we have a bar at our office. Uh, our office in our house. That's right. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, didn't you guys have people like that that you used to work? I yeah. mean, like, Kevin, you must have had journalism. And Kevin, you went over to the PR side for a while. And it's like they would have all these little perks in their office. Oh, and like, man. oh, here's like the snack cabinet or whatever, you know? Yes. Like, yes. Did you have a snack cabinet? Oh, yes. And they just keep it stuffed with peanut butter and. Granola <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I remember they had a masseuse. Who would come I, once oh, a yeah, month. Oh, yeah, they did at your first don't say, don't say. I remember. No, not that kind of masseuse, but like a yes, I remember massage that. therapist <laughs> would come in and would do all the executives. And then they would pick, it was like a raffle. Five staff members would get that Like a shoulder massage yeah, at your desk. That happened and then the economy crashed. Yeah. yeah. And for, we got rid of all that except the person who came around and watered the plants once. Yes, a, yes. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. But yeah, I mean, there was, uh, we, we had hey, that all the peanut butter you too. can spread. If you're going to yeah. have plants in your office, somebody does have to, like those plants are rented. You know that, yeah. right? Look, I'll say that it wasn't so much when I was in radio, I didn't see it that much, but when I was in TV, it wasn't widespread, but you could tell that sort of the general culture in the industry, I'm not going to say at my workplace, but the industry was that people, a lot of the reporters were hired, not because they were fantastic journalists, but because they looked good. Because they were cool. They were cool or whatever, but when you have hot young men and hot young women working in the same place, there's that. Now, there are people like me who didn't look fantastic, but could get by and could do a real story. Mm. And I saw friends that were like, yeah, you, you could tell. Like, you just watch your local news. You know who is there because they're a beauty queen, and you know who's there because she is a fantastic journalist. Right. And so that's just sort of part of the Petri dish that ends up being media workplace culture. And as you get bigger up and higher up in the, in the the food chain and the media market, that just happens. But I want to talk about Vice, though. But there's not a lot of 50-year-olds working at Vice. Because Vice was not a media workplace culture. It was more of like a tech bro, douchebag culture. Yeah. In episode yeah. five, which is, I think, Libertarian nihilist, super yeah. brilliant, uh, they talk about how this thing started. And it started... It was based on lies. Mm -hmm. You have both of the founders, Shane and Gavin, talking about on tape in multiple interviews, talking about lies they told. Uh, they told advertisers that they were distributed across the North America. When they were just like mailing a magazine to a skate shop in Austin. Uh -huh. uh, they talked about like multiple. They would just make up stuff. The guy would take articles from people, rewrite them completely, fill them with untruths and then just like put the person's byline on them. And then you have Justin Ling, who we know, by the way, he hosted CBC's Uncover the Village. Right, good podcast. And uh, he's a really great journalist. He talks about, no, 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 this is a regular journalism organization. And I just want to throw something out there, both to Justin and to you guys. Both of those things can be true, I think. This place could have been started as a dumpster fire pile of lies <laughs> with a horrible culture that propagated a bunch of shit that made someone like Slava think he could traffic drug drugs and get away with it. It could also be a place for a younger journalist like Justin Ling to be a freelancer and then a staff writer or whatever his role is now. He just works for them and it's super boring because they have an HR director now. Mm -hmm. Like, both of those things can be true, right? Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't sexually harass enough people. I mean, I don't know how much you can expand on it, but I mean, I think there's plenty of organizations that have a culture that's not very attractive, but also have aspects to them that are, are very effective and beneficial and professional and, and stuff like that. And I think even here there was, you know, I mean, there was an evolution, right? Where, you know, they had to move forward. They couldn't keep going in this, we're assholes, you know, that being your <laughs> we're business. We're proud boys, founder, Assholes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That be that being your business model, and they do. I mean, I think like the the one piece of vice reporting that I'm most familiar with is the stuff um, that a woman whose name I'm not going to remember uh, did in Charlottesville. Uh, absolutely uh, on right. HBO, and they used that clip. Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the best reporting that came out of that from, from people on the ground. 
Mostef. Oh, wasn't that guy from New Hampshire? Yes, he was. The crying Nazi. But yeah, I think it's it's, it's easy to have uh, an organization that has like a, a culture, but also has people who work outside the culture very effectively. So it, it, it's not a surprise. Laura, what do you think? Do you think that both things can be true? That you can be a dumpster fire, an HR nightmare, uh, the most poisonous, most horrible place to work, but also for someone like Justin Ling, who's like a viable contributor, also just be a news outlet who's making stuff and stuff that's yeah. valuable to look at and, and listen to and watch. No, I think I actually um, that kind of reminds me there was a situation in my journalistic career where we had this like crazy editor and the culture was like it was so bad. They had like I mean, not to get too much into it, but it was like a really crazy time to work where I worked and it was just super unhealthy. But at the same time, I was getting clips. I was still getting good stories. I was still doing my job. I was just trying to avoid that dumpster fire component of what was going on in my workplace. (laughs) And eventually the crazy guy left. And um, every once in a while, I wonder what happened to him. But, um, you know, so I think that there is, you know. You're a private investigator, Laura Bricker. You could find that out if you wanted to. I've been looking. I've been looking. I I, I don't know. Maybe he's changed his name or something. But anyway, so I do think that there, I mean, there are definitely times when you work places like that where it's like, this is good experience. And if you're, I mean, whereas in some jobs you leave and you get, you know, just a reference. When you're a journalist and you're a writer and you work at some crazy place, if you get some good clips and some good samples of your work, you can take those elsewhere and get out of that crazy place. Look, I think there's, I mean, we've talked a lot about vice and sort of the industry and how that affects people. I think there's a, a good question that we should try to answer, which is about whether or not Canada Land should have done this podcast. Yes. Because. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they should have. Be, no, because we know, and it's very explicit at the end, but also in the beginning, that Slava's motivation for talking is to get popular attention, right? He's just soliciting the media attention. And so Katja doesn't do like a, a whole lot of self-introspection, but she does tell us who this guy is and lets us make that decision about how we feel about him. And so I, th- you know, I think that, you know, we talk about that axiom about whether or not when you do this, you either betray your audience or you betray your subject when you tell this story. Whose edges are you softening? Who are you betraying? And I think in this case, Slava probably feels betrayed. I think the audience gets the best of it. Slava tells her. I mean, Slava betrays himself. Yeah. The only he thing tells he her wants stuff that contradicts to- his own stuff. You can say, I'm a bad person. But you can't say I'm a liar, right? Like, I'm being completely honest with what I'm putting forward out there. And I take solace in that, you know, at least tell the truth about being a bad person. But Slava hasn't always told us the truth about being a bad person. We remind him that he hasn't been completely honest with us. He's lied, on the record. Like the time he said this. I took a trip to Australia, but I didn't take any cocaine with me. I talked my way out of that. He All he wants is it to not be boring. Listen, Kasha is awesome. And this podcast reported awesomely because Slava will say something and Kasha will say, did you hear that? Now, let's yeah. remember what he said five minutes ago. That right, was totally right. different than the thing he just said. She in no way glamorizes this guy. This is not a Netflix documentary and treatment of Joe Exotic we got here. Like, I don't think there's any sense that we're supposed to think Slava is a hero in any way in this podcast. So I say, I'm sorry, Justin Ling. You know I love you. But yes, Canada Land should have made this podcast. That's just my opinion. All right. Well, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Cool Mules? The podcast from Canada Land that looks at a Vice Canada music editor turned drug trafficker. Laura Bricker, what do you think? You are the one who recommended that we review this podcast. I'm curious as to your review. Yeah, I think you should. I think this is a really interesting story. I mean, you've got not only do you have some newsroom culture and some media world culture, you also have this sort of crazy story that we didn't get into too much about the actual like drug smuggling ring that this guy uh, recruited some other young uh, people to get involved with. And that's a whole crazy story in itself. So I think it's really interesting. I mean, I think we listen to so many different podcasts and a lot of them are, you know, murder related or something like cold case related. And this is kind of a different story. And it's a really interesting sort of window into this this world. And also, um, just sort of a window into this uh, this media company and and what went on that allowed something like this to happen. 
Toy Ball, what about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Cool Mules from Canada Land? Yeah, I give it a thumbs up. You know, I think like like you, I, the stuff about Vice is the most interesting part of it. Uh, but the the story around Slava is interesting as well. Um, he's not sympathetic, but I think he's she gives him enough rope, right? And, <laughs> and you kind of. And he's going in eyes wide open, man. I mean, he's part of the, it's not. His lawyer told him not to do it, right? And he did it anyway. Yeah, it's not like he's naive. I mean, he's not smart, but he's not naive. You know, he's from this world. So it's hard to feel that sorry for him. So anyway, yeah, thumbs up. I think think people like it. Kevin Flint. Yeah, overall, a, a solid profile. It balances not being an investigation, as they explain up front. And calling someone else out on their bullshit. <laughs> uh, I'm a thumbs up. Uh, Slava is an interesting character. Not likable. Not tried to make likable by the host. Nor vilified. But uh, like Toby says, he was hoisted by his own petard. Yeah, Slava is a douchebag. I agree with Lara on that. I like this podcast only because Kasha does not pull any punches. When she says something, she then backs it up with tape. It's really well made. To me, some of the most interesting stuff is about Vice and the Vice culture. And Kesha's really upfront about it. She says she's been wanting to report on Vice for a long time. And frankly, I think a lot of people have been wanting to report on Vice for a long time. And this story about Slava and his very stupid, ineffective attempts to create this international drug smuggling empire, which, by the way, does have real victims in the form of young people who are imprisoned in Australia. Slava, you piece of dirt. (laughs) It's just it's just really well done in that regard. Doesn't pull any punches, backs up everything it says. And I don't know. I really liked it. Justin Ling, you know, I love you, man, but you're wrong. She totally should have made this podcast. So thumbs up for me. Moving on. On a cold Icelandic night, a man is murdered dockside, his eyelids slashed. What did he see that made him a target for the killer? In Netflix's foreign language series, The Valhalla Murders, we follow Kata, a Reykjavik homicide detective and divorced mom assigned to the case. When additional victims are discovered, she's paired with a detective from Oslo returning to his hometown. The investigators discover the growing list of victims have a connection from deep in their past. The Valhalla Murders is the latest in a growing number of shows set in Iceland, which try to capture their own version of Scandinavian noir. But does the story get either that Scandi style or the interest of streaming mystery lovers? Now, we will be giving spoiler alerts for the Valhalla murders. So to stay spoiler free, check out the time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down review. Kevin, before we start the review. Yeah. For our listeners who have not checked out the Valhalla murders, tell them how to watch it and what not to do. Yeah, you got to watch it in the native language. And it's Icelandic, just like we said with Dark. Yes. uh, Which was in German. Watch with the English subtitles because you'll have to hear and see that it matches the performance better. Hi. Hi. Can you play together? Huh? No. Let's get in. Let's all the cast. Hi. Hi. Do you have a minute to speak with me? What? Yeah. Inside, it's pretty cold. Me the hands on your mind, Lika. I just hit on them as soon as. I can't get with them. It's just not ruggling, man. Well, he's also my son. I'll be seeing him too. You're crazy, woman. I didn't touch my son. And that's why it sounds stupid. <laughs> so, so I watched like half of this before I realized that I needed to do this. I was like, are these people like, they talk really funny. And I'm like, they seem so stilted. Like what's, and so then I turned to Facebook and I was like, hey, you guys, um, should I switch the language? And everyone's like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I'm like, what's the matter with you, Lara? It was awful. It'd be like, Kevin, I am going to go over here. What do you think? And I was like, <laughs> what's wrong with these people? So I actually went back and rewatched the earlier episodes with the subtitles on, and it was such a better experience. So that yeah. is a testimonial right there. For those who don't know how to do it, you just check out your audio settings on Netflix on whatever platform, whether it's your smart TV or your laptop. It's pretty easy to change. Remember, just keep the uh, the audio is in Icelandic or as an Icelandic 5.1, depending on your system and English subtitles. It's a mwah. That's 
the way to go. It seems like there's a market opportunity for like good dubbing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Toby, Partners in now Crime that, Media has a new uh, no, outfit. See, I completely disagree. I love the Scandi Noir in the original languages. Mm-hmm. Kevin, what is my all-time favorite noir show, Scandi Noir show? It's called Bridge slash Bridge or Bridge. Bron, Bron. Bron. <laughs> Which Two I think languages. that, Toby, you watched as well, right? Oh, yeah. And Laura, did you watch Bron Bron? I never did, even though you talked about it. It's on Hulu, right? It's the best. Yeah, it's really good. Okay. And by the way, one of the benefits, well, two of the benefits to listening to something in the original language and watching the subtitles is A, you can't do the second screen thing. You can't yeah. look at your phone while watching, so you oh actually my God. watch it. It's brutal. <laughs> and second, you learn a little bit of the language that you are watching. So Talk. for instance, in all of the scanning languages, Kevin, what's the word for thanks? Talk. What's the word for yes? Yeah. Yow. Yow. <laughs> What's the word for no? Uh, nay. Nay. Like we know. What's the word for fuck? Fuck. What's the word for mistake? Mistook. Mistook. <laughs> What's the word for white trash? White, white trash. trash. <laughs> <laughs> and and anytime Kevin, I'm ready for. I'm ready to go to Reykjavik. Anytime a police Roslo. department in one country emails something to a police department in another country. What's great about it? It's in English. It's always in English. <laughs> it's like this random English moment. It's like air traffic control. But there are other things that are great about Scandi Noir. To me, the main thing that's great about it, aside from the language stuff and the experiential stuff, is the scenery stuff. Lara Bricker, what do you think getting to see, this is in Iceland in this case, Iceland on your screen and all of its majestic, mountainous, icy glory. Thoughts, Lara Bricker. Uh, I'm going to say it's awesome. It's a lot better than when I tried to make my own fake Peloton this week and watch like (laughs) exercise videos from places like that in this. That didn't work for me. But this show did. Um, And I think that's what I I initially drew me into the show was like this sort of like we've called it before, like this location porn. Like you get to see these like kind of B-roll aerial shots when somebody's driving somewhere in a car and you get to see the landscape and the housing stuff. And I think, you know, this particular scenery was just sort of had that sort of like gritty sort of murderish, mysteryish. I mean, it just seemed like it fit that type of a story as you were watching that sort of um, footage that they were showing. You know, as far as Icelandic noir, uh, this sort of subgenre of Scandi noir, I think a better example is Trapped, mm. which you can find on Prime. Yes. It's a, it's a better use of the sparse and desolate nature of Iceland mm. and its outer regions where this is, I mean, Reykjavik is not Las Vegas or New York, but it's it's not a great example of noir. What is noir? It's atmospheric. It's dark and it's morally ambiguous. Toby knows this. He writes noir. You can set a type of noir, sort of any setting, so long as you have that. I don't think, Toby, in this case that they utilize the the, um, the isolation yeah. and the cold earth of Iceland like they could. Yeah, I didn't feel like this was super noiry at all. Yeah. I mean, I think I think, you know, I think the genres Scandinavian noir, but I think that describes like basically Scandinavian mysteries and and this didn't seem like all the usual uh sort of themes of uh of noir are kind of lacking here. Uh it's it's almost kind of the opposite. So I mean, that was just one of the things I didn't like about this. You know, Toby, I agree with you. And one of the things that a lot of Scandi Noir brings to the table, like a show like Braun Braun, for example, or Trapped, is this very deep character development. I mean, there's always like sort of this um, sense that when you meet somebody, there's something going on here that you know. I mean, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry to keep bringing up Trapped. It's just so freaking good. The first scene where you meet Andre in Trapped, who's the protagonist of that show, you think he's like a yokel, maybe criminal, for like a few minutes in the beginning of the series. And then he puts on his Langrelan jacket, which, as we know, is the, is the word for police in Icelandic. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. And you realize, oh, wait, no, he's the cop. Right. After you see him kind of lumbering around the town, but you've already figured out there's more there there. And to me, this show... The Valhalla murders layers on character stories either too late or not well. Like, I don't feel like 
deeply connected to Kata. I don't feel deeply connected to her partner, which has his yeah. mystery, he has his mysterious backstory. Laura, what do you think? Yeah, I, I that was one of the things about this. Is I felt like there was this sort of one dimensional thing with some of the characters that I didn't feel like even when they tried to give this sort of subplot about something going on in someone's personal life. I didn't feel like I was really drawn into it because as soon as they'd go down that road, they'd drop it and never pick the thread up again. So like we have Kata and we have our ex-husband and the kid. But then like as soon as you think there's something that's going to happen with the drama with her kid, she's like, oh, I've got to go to work now. And that's like the end of it. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so, and then she, like, she'll come home and then, like, it's, like, the random mom who's at her house who I'm, like, what is her point in this? Because, like, she doesn't do shit. She just is, like, I want a key. Where are you? And then, like, we never see I'm her again. tea. Yeah, I'm making some I'm going to wear my carpal tunnel brace. Yeah. And I'm, like, and she's, like, where is whatever the son's name? Oh, he's not here. And then I'm, Hi. like, oh, and that's the end of it. So I felt like that was the thing for me is, like, I, like, like they, there was definitely, like, this police procedural part of it but like the personal lives and like feeling connected to the characters for me just fell sort of flat no I agree we also have Agnar who's like the the cop from you know away yeah but he's from there originally he was he's very broody Gavin yeah I was gonna say I I feel like this is trying to take uh, and I look at the past couple of weeks I've talked about like not comparing one piece of art to another that's right Kevin however however I'm just gonna say <laughs> I forgive you in advance it seems like it falls somewhere between trapped and another great Scandi noir piece which is bridge Bron Brun <laughs> <laughs> the conceit of which is that you've got uh, a detective from uh, Sweden and a detective from Norway who are both working on the case Denmark Denmark Okay, whatever the fuck. I don't have a globe, Rebecca. They speak a different language. I just read it. Well, you have a detective from someplace else coming in. Listen, everyone's attractive. Is, yeah. They have clean energy. They'll have good teeth. They'll have well, great health care. This is what Arnar, however you say his name, with, you know, the tall detective, he comes in. He's from Oslo. There's no real reason why they bring him in. Right. It isn't like he's a profiler or some expert. We just know that he comes in and he's a little odd, so it reminds me of what's her name from Bridge. Yeah. But it's it's taking that, and then I'll just say the last thing I'll say about Trapped is what it did great is its location in Iceland. It's in like one of these little port towns, and there was an avalanche. They are cut off. They're that trapped. in the world. They're in Iceland, cut off. They're trapped. They're literally trapped. And that sets, you know, the, the scene. Uh, it sets the- uh, the, the murderer's there. Yes, but it, it's it's this whole tension, the you know the the brooding of the uh, of the land, and you don't quite get either of that. You don't quite get the scenery of trap. You don't get the character development of bro. But they try. I broon, mean, broon. Toby, they they try to make our male detective ignore, or however you were say his name. I'm sorry, I don't mean to be insensitive. It's just that it goes by quickly. Uh, they try. They give him this cult Jehovah's Witness ish backstory. They show that he's gay. They try to explain why he may feel like an outsider or not really connect with people. With Kata, they show her, I don't know, swimming in a super cold pool. Uh, <laughs> they show her ex husband. Yeah. Uh, they show her being handed, you know, not getting the promotion and this other woman mysteriously getting it for no fucking reason. Yeah. Toby, do you also feel like the character development here just didn't deliver? Uh, you know, in. Have you seen Office Space? Yeah. That movie? So there's like this pretty funny scene where um, Jennifer Aniston, I think, is working at Flingers. some ridiculous G-G-I restaurant. She was at Flingers. Oh, Flingers. Yeah. She's supposed to wear those little flares or whatever. Yes. Flare. And I kind of feel like that's what these people's personality is, is like they've got these little pieces of flair about them that you're supposed to connect with them, but they don't actually really affect the way they act or what their personalities are like. It's just like, here's another little fact about this person that makes them seem like they're they're real. But there's at no point does any of that stuff have any impact on the actual story you're watching or the decisions they make. Yeah. Like the only the only time it it even seems to slightly come up is when uh Agnar, you know, takes a liking to the you know, the uh, the son of one of the, the men who's murdered at the very beginning. And that, too, is just like it's a subplot that, that doesn't do anything. It doesn't reveal anything about anything. Right. I found it all very frustrating because I really wanted to like it. And I've, I've certainly watched some sort of not great but still sort of fun to watch and entertaining European shows like this. 
and this was just it was just so apparent. It felt like one of those things where it's like here's a computer program that will write your <laughs> you know, thriller novel for you. Just put in like eight different That's like right. factors and we'll spit it out. Child molestation, and, adoption, yeah, energy, closed power plants. <laughs> exactly. Like rocking around in the dark without backup. You know? It's Flashlights. like and then it's you know, and then the whole and I and I hate to like give away. I guess we're in the spoiler zone, but uh, this whole thing about there being like a, a home for wayward boys, basically, where you know sexual abuse happens, and then there's revenge. Like you know, this is probably like the fiftieth you know yeah. product that that has that as the underlying. You know the 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 underlying the problem. Hundred percent, yeah. Toby. I agree with you. I kept turning to Kevin and being like, "Isn't this Skyfall, the James Bond movie? <laughs> Isn't this like it's like everything, everything where they're like, what oh, has something to do with a boys' home? Orphans. Oh, let me guess. Let me guess what happened here. And I don't mean to like in any yeah. way be a little like systematic sexual abuse. However, yeah, it was not done creatively in any way in this episode. I completely agree with you. Can I just tell you the one thing I did like about it? Yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. It's a podcast. Go for it. I like that country cop. The cop up by oh. Valhalla. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. He was the one yeah. character like I just really loved and was like, he's the Andre of this series. Like, yes. He is the heart. Like, If he had been the protagonist, the country cop who's like in this far out uh, outpost place trying to put these pieces together and, and is the one who... Not only sends in the report, it's the right thing to do, but then calls the judge and is like, I just want to make sure my email like got there <laughs> securely. He is the- Post. Like, Post. Yes. That's the email in the- Yeah, but he is- Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. He's basically like the Margie from Fargo. <laughs> if this whole thing had been built around him, I don't know, to me it would have been pregnant. different. But, but, but you know what the, the thing about that is- and I, and I agree with you that he's the most compelling character in the entire thing <laughs> is that is that we don't know anything about him other than just what you see yeah. him doing almost entirely in his in the police department or like roaming around somewhere on mm. police business. Like, do you, you have no you don't know if he's married, if he has kids, whether his parents abuse. You don't know any of this stuff, but he comes off as being much more of a real person. Yeah. Than any of these other people who you get all these like bizarre little factoids that don't seem to have any actual effect on the way they act. Listen, she was a champion swimmer and there was a swimming scene at the end that was very important, Doby. Oh, okay. Well, I have one more thing that I thought was so strange that also really frustrated me. And and ironically, I actually didn't hate this, but there was a lot of things that frustrated me about the show. So we have Kata, who's supposed to be getting the promotion, and then we have the woman who actually gets the promotion. Now... Did you ever actually see them actually have a conversation this entire series, more than like two words? That was so fucking strange. You mean the two women? Yes. Listen, she was mad well, at Kata at each, for yeah. being rude yeah. with to Peter, who then later drugged Kata and tried to murder yeah, her. But on it was his so boat. strange. I was Dexter like, style. Like she was just conducting her investigation and like they did they like operated, they were like toddlers that were like parallel playing or something. Yeah. Well, as soon as I saw her and said, but wait a minute, what about my 30-year-old investigation? I'm like, that's going to come up. <laughs> that's not a throwaway thing. It's going to be connected to whatever the fuck's going on. All right. Well, it sounds like we have opinions about Valhalla murders on Netflix. So this is going to be a tough one because it's going to be, I'm just going to say it, one of those ones that I would have watched anyway, even though I have problems with it. Thumbs up or thumbs down, Lara Bricker of Valhalla murders on Netflix. What say you, Lara Bricker? Um, I'm so sorry, Patrick Hines, but it's a thumb sideways because <laughs> I have He'll to tell fine. you, he's doing fine. He's a homesteader now. So, I mean, <laughs> seriously, it's going to be a reality show before we know it. But, um, I'm just going to say like, I, I didn't love this. I didn't hate this, but I continued to watch it. So, I mean, like right now we have a lot of time on our hands. So that's why I'm giving it a thumb sideways because it was interesting because like the, the scenery, the setting, sort of that sort of part of this, I found interesting. Once I figured out how to put the correct subtitles on, that made it a lot better. The actual, like, you know, police procedural, it was pretty predictable and everything. But at the same time, it wasn't horrible. It was just there was like the character development really wasn't, um, you know, it was it was just not there. But I mean, at the same time, I kept watching it. So I mean, what does that say? So thumb sideways. <laughs> what about you, Toby Ball? Thumbs up or thumbs down for Valhalla Murders on Netflix? 
Yeah. It's tough. You know, I, it's tough, it's, is it's it a, not? It's a thumbs. It's a strong thumb sideways. It's fucking tough. If it, if it, if like a, a like a huge thumb down is a zero, thumb sideways is like a five, and a thumbs up is a big thumbs up is a ten. This is like a four. You know, Sounds I mean, like it's a thumbs not, down then, Toby, but barely thumbs it, down. It's a slight thumbs. Mild, you know, it's just diagonally it's down. Very, Let him describe it. <laughs> what is it? Come on, where is your finger? Where is it? Is it pointing to three o'clock? Is it pointing to twelve o'clock? It's like one of those things where, like, I don't know, those cheesy shows where you know you end up getting a, a hand transplant and it's like a murderer's hand <laughs> and it's like trying to do certain things and you're trying to keep it from doing things and uh, and it you know what? so I'm struggling oh my god I wish I didn't have cancer so I could actually laugh at that it's like uh-huh. one of those shows where it's like a murderer's hand nice. I've never seen one of those shows that? yeah sure so Toby what yeah, show is there's that? one about a cartoonist I think there's one about a cartoonist who like gets his hand chopped off and then they like stick a murderer's hand on his because Michael Caine was in that right this is going to be a long ass recommendation so I guess my feeling is it's about as run of the mill <laughs> as you get. I, I'm sort of I want to give it a thumbs down, but at the same time, if you're just you know you just can't take it anymore, you don't want it to think very much. So it's a coronavirus you know? thumb sideways. Yeah, if you if you just want to lie down on the couch and just stare blankly at the TV, <laughs> and uh, you know twenty twenty or thirty minutes can pass, and then you can pick it up again, and it's really like you haven't missed that much. You yeah. can just pick it right up. Uh, this this would be perfect for you. Wow, so, thumb sideways. <laughs> That was maybe the most complicated <laughs> review that's ever been doled out in this podcast in five years. Kevin Flynn, what about you? I'm going to say something I haven't said in years. Okay. Thumb sideways. Wow. Yes. Uh, yes like overall, it's solid, but it's a paint by number serial killer procedural. Uh, once you know what the connection is between the the victims, it's easy to guess where the plot is going. It's not, a, it's not a matter of where the story is pointing to the killer that you should have guessed. It's basically selecting which of the many characters you're not going to guess. So not a lot to criticize, but not a lot to praise either. I did like the idea that when it came to Valhalla, there were a couple of nods to the Valhalla myth. You have Thor, you've got Ragnar, you've got Omar, which could be Odin. And so a slight bit of being clever, but still not enough to save it. <laughs> I'm giving it a thumb sideways. Listen. <laughs> I am a hundred percent with you guys. Thumbs sideways for Valhalla. Can oh, we fucking do four thumbs <laughs> sideways? So you know why? Because Scandi Noir, even when it's not good, is so freaking watchable. Yeah. Even when it's bad, it's just watchable because you want the scenery. Watch Trapped instead, people. Watch Go to trapped, Prime. Watch Trapped. Watch Braun Braun. Watch whatever. But like Scandi Noir is imminently watchable because. Even just the culture of any of those countries is so fascinating compared to ours. Like, there are tiny moments where, um, you know, she goes to visit her ex-husband who's clearly in a position to help her and do something unethical, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Because they're just better than we are as people in that part of the world in many ways. I'm not saying all of them, but like... Are they park in snowbanks? Exactly. It's like the whole country's buffalo? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, it's just people are nice and they're kind. And even, like, when you see a poor person's house, it's actually kind of okay. Like, just sort of like the social I realize order. now why all of my Legos from the 70s, that's what they thought architecture was. <laughs> like, yes. oh, I, now oh, I know and why. And the furniture and architecture and clothing is all amazing. Yeah. Everyone has quilted yes. vests and, like, beautiful it's sweaters. It's I'm sorry. So, yeah. But, so, I'm just saying because Scanny Noir, even bad Scanny Noir, is better than our shitty American TV, like, this was not good. It's still a firm thumb sideways for me for all our murders. So, yes, for I think for the first time in the history of this podcast, we have four solid thumb sideways. Unprecedented. <laughs> Way to pussy out, everybody. Yeah. And now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of the week of the week. State troopers outside of Seattle, Washington, were led on a 100 mile an hour chase led by a 1996 Buick 
being driven by a dog. Dog. After swerving and striking a few cars along the way, cops could clearly see a panting pit bull behind the wheel. As the canine community refused to heal, they deployed the spike strips to blow out the tires and make the car sit. Sit. The pit bull did get some help. Her owner was riding shotgun, steering, and working the gas. He told police he was trying to teach his pet to drive. He didn't explain why, but he certainly needed a designated driver, and the passenger was arrested. The dog was not charged with a moving violation, but was admonished for being a bad girl. Bad girl. (laughs) Who's a bad girl? So the passenger may have been steering, but we know his four-legged friend was in charge. Panel, where was this dog going? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Um, well, I think that the dog heard there was curbside pickup of dog bones. Mm. <laughs> and I can tell you that my dog, Buddy, would probably drive a car to do that because we ran out of dog bones during this period and he was eating crackers at night for his little snack. And I think he would totally get behind the wheel of a car and drive like that. Toy Ball, where do you think this dog was trying to go? Can I just like a clarifying question? If the owner is is working the wheel and the gas, <laughs> what like exactly of, is this dog doing to drive? It was like one of those like country mail is delivery working, people. Is he working the the gear shift? Listen, you know we we it live in the country, stick. yeah, and you know we have like our regular mail, mail lady who has like the old Subaru from the nineties. Yeah, no, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. The but guy then we reached over other, with his left leg. Listen, yeah, we have the other mail carrier. Who is literally just like sitting on the passenger side and has like a jerry rigged steering wheel yeah. and, and gas and brake thing and is putting the mail in? It was that, right? No, it was a 50 year old drunk guy <laughs> with his pit bull sitting <laughs> on, the, on the driver's seat with two paws on the wheel yeah. going 100 miles an hour. 100. Oh it wasn't well, fucking a mail carrier, Rebecca. I'm oh saying just that. I was about to say, based on this conversation, I just assume he was delivering mail. <laughs> <laughs> What about you, Kevin Flynn? Where hey, was this football trying to go? I don't know where the dog's trying to go, but Cat's got fucking motorcycles, so vroom, vroom. <laughs> All right, we should probably end on that note, but before we do, Laura Bricker, do we have a Cat of the Week this week? <laughs> no, we have a dog. Woof, woof. Ah, uh, uh, yay! It's Does a the do- dog drive a car? Is its name Briscoe? Is it the same dog? Um, no, the dog's name is it's Harper. And I'm going to I'm going to share this because this is a follow up of our review last week of the Tiger King. And it's also something that you can do at home with the kids when they're bored. So Emily Milligan Thompson nominated Harper and Harper as the uh, she says, we've been busy babysitting for some neighborhood kids this week. And she was a good sport during today's craft time, which was inspired by the Tiger King. So Harper looks to be like some sort of a white German shepherdy lab retriever cross. And Harper now looks like a big cat because Harper has been painted um, by the neighborhood kids with some sort of, I don't know, crayon marker spray paint. So Harper's looking pretty good. Um, you know, there's you, you, you got to do what you got to do to pass the time right now. All right, Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you to nominate their pets, especially if they're dogs. To be Cat of the Week, how can they find you on Twitter? At Laura Bricker. And Toya Ball, folks want to reach out to you to congratulate you on your chart-topping, star-making, Crime Writers on Eclipsing podcast, Strange Arrivals. How can they find you on Twitter? You can tweet to my assistant, at Toby Ball. <laughs> <laughs> and Kevin Felina, folks want to reach out to you to say, Kevin, where is your chart-topping UFO podcast. How can they find you on Twitter? You can eat 12 fucking dicks. <laughs> you can tweet to me at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join the amazing community in our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way, where you can see awesome live videos of all the crime writers four nights a week, except when we forget. <laughs> Support the show on Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media, and you will get the Crime Writers on After Show right now with more amazing Joe Exotic content, plus Mary with Podcast, Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast, and Laura Bricker's amazing and charming Leave it to Bricker Podcast. Our theme song was performed by the New York Sky Jazz Ensemble and used with their permission. Our line editor is the very handsome and bearded Henry Lavoie. Our social media and newsletter maven is soon to be Mommy Meredith Plunkett times three. This show was recorded in the Yoga Loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. 
otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our basement where we pay Lara and Toby with, quote, being cool. Mm -hmm. On behalf of all the crime writers, all of us, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Henry edits this podcast. Now he's up to the point because he's home where he's doing like, I don't know, I want to say like 80% of the work. Like he's, he's mixing in the clips. He's doing like all of the editorial edits and I'm just going into doing the final mix. And t- Henry has determined the two big X factors of this podcast are Toby and Will. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that's I, I want to learn more. So because Will keeps taking my mic. Yes, because Will keeps fucking up your audio setup. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Why do we get you a video setup? Can I just I in keeping with uh, Henry's thinking I'm a wild card? Yes. I, I missed like the first eight minutes <laughs> of Perfect. recording this. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> wild card. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.